My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. I am Iron Man. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Post Credit Podcast. I am your host, Eric Italiano, senior writer at ProBible.com. And today, for our end of the year show, we have a massive show, not only because we are discussing a ton of topics, we're going to be talking No Way Home, the Batman trailer, which blew my fucking mind. Uh, we got Patrick's Resurrections, and we also got the Book of Boba Fett. But today we are joined by our new co-host, filling in for the departed, R.I.P. Brandon. He's not really dead, but dead in my heart. Uh, Cade Onder. Uh, he is a senior gaming news writer at Screen Rant. He comes from us from the town where they filmed Children of the Corn. Cade, why don't you say what's going on and tell the people what your story is? Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not from the town that Children of the Corn is. I guess Iowa is like, there's corn everywhere, so it's all, it's all Children of the Corn. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I uh, started writing about games when I was 14 years old, and that was for a website that I don't remember the name of it, but I lied about my age to get to get into it. And then they found out and they said, you're gone. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, so it was like understandable. Um, I, I wrote a review for the Amazing Spider-Man 2 video game when that came out at that place. Uh, I, was I that PS3? Uh, I think it was on that as well. But yeah, that was like when they were moving into Xbox One and PS4. And stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. Everything. Um, and uh, from there, I was like, you know, I still want to do this. And uh, eventually an opportunity came my way. And I, I did a, a thing at another website um, for about a year uh, where I wasn't getting paid. And then my last website, Game Zone, reached out and was like, we'll pay you. Do you want to come do it? Did that throughout high school and then um, ended up taking over the place when I graduated. And uh, now I'm at Screen Rant. And that was at the beginning of 2021. And uh, yeah, I've I've done a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'd say you picked a great time to find a gig too. Yeah, yeah. It, it, really, the whole motivation was just like I want to do something with video games, and I want to be ahead of the curve so that when I can, you know, when I graduate, I can just break in and I don't have to worry about it. And yeah. I, I, you know, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody because that's a I, I failed a lot of classes in school <laughs> trying to review every video game that came out and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's it's if you have that work life balance, it's it's definitely you know worth doing for people who are younger and they're just passionate. Right. And they yeah, want absolutely. to break in. Just just start doing it. Well, I'd say your gamble paid off, as I said, <laughs> yeah. as I said to you in DMs, you know, for where you're at, your age is incredible. The kids already gotten a blue check. It took me like 10 years to <laughs> score that thing. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, I know you're also a big fan of both Chicken Tenders and Spider-Man. Is that true? Yes, uh, <laughs> not necessarily linked together. But yeah, I mean, when I can link them together, you know, these movie theaters these days, they'll serve you hot food. I'll, I'll go well, in there. I'll order chicken tenders. I've been meaning to ask the banner on your Twitter. Yeah. Wait, did you make that yourself or you I found that online that. somewhere? Someone drew that for me and I, I didn't even ask them. They just were like, I made this. And I'm That's like, awesome. Can I use that? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. great. So on that note, we're going to start with, spider-man no way home now i reviewed the film on my own and yeah. that's something i never intend on doing again <laughs> um but i i hope y'all enjoyed that regardless Kate, do you have any overarching thoughts about that film that uh you want to share before we dive in 
I, I've seen it three times. Oh wow! So I hated it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I really enjoyed it. It's you know anyone who knows me, I don't know if we're doing we're doing spoilers. Uh, well, spoiler warning, spoiler warning, spoiler warning. We are about to discuss No Way Home in detail. Yeah, so we'll we'll get into that all stuff. But you know, anyone who knows me knows my appreciation for all of the movies and my history there and you know spider-man one was like one of the first movies i ever saw growing up and then spider-man 2 was like the first movie i went to the movie theater for and wow uh so this character is ingrained in me wait a Uh, minute wait a minute if you're 21 yeah so you were born in the year 2000 correct so you saw spider-man 2 at the age of three or four years old oh my god my parents were like he loves spider-man we what are we gonna do and then i remember very vividly watching like i don't know when you start to develop memory or whatever but like i remember very vividly going into my basement and my mom was like here's the spider-man 2 trailer on the really slow internet and watching that over and over again thinking wow they're doing a sequel I i didn't know what that was but i'm like this is awesome and seeing it in the movie theater was was very special. No wonder you're Spider-Man three much more too. No wonder you're so ahead of the curve. Your parents <laughs> had you in the game yes. before you were five. I think the yeah. first movie my parents took me to was Pocahontas, and the nice. first and the first movie I remember seeing in theaters is Toy Story two. So yeah, quite different there. Uh, so <laughs> we're we're not going to be diving into No Way Home's plot. We're going to be talking at first about the money it's made. Uh, it is made five hundred million domestic so far 1.16 billion global that makes it sony's highest grossing film of all time it's the first billion dollar movie since 2019's absolutely dog shit star wars rise of skywalker i've said before that that was the first blockbuster like ie franchise that i care about that i almost walked out i mean that movie was bad but yet because it was a a brand name it cashed out and uh our old co-host brandon was banging the drum that no way home had a real shot at the one billion mark for some time and he was proved to be right and i'm curious if you think if it's a sign of things to come in the new year or sort of a one-time deal given the historic multiversal nature of it all it's uh, and then real uh quick films released around the same time we've got matrix 4 west side story nightmare alley granted it's not a one-to-one no. comparison but those have all struggled mightily yeah it, it's interesting because is i think matrix is the last hbo max day and date movie right like that's their whole Correct. deal is that in 2022 it's all theatrical and I guess Batman will be the first one that's like, if we're going to see like real box office health, that would probably be another one where you're like, what are we thinking here? Because Batman brings in the big bucks. You know, I, I, I'd also argue, and if you've tuned into this show before, Cade, you yeah. know that Jared Leto and I have an ongoing one-sided war. <laughs> and uh, Morbius's box office will be interesting because it's interesting. technically the first comic book film to follow No Way Home. It is in a roundabout, fucked up way tied into the universe somehow. Do I think it's going to cross a billion? Absolutely not. But I think that 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 film will be a representation of how the rest of the year is going to go. To your point, the Batman is absolutely the first yeah. film of the year that's going to have a real Guaranteed. shot. Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at Venom 2's box office, just barely made under 500 million, five, uh, 498.2 million. Uh, so, and that obviously has much more recognition as Venom is well known generally across these, these movies because of Spider Man 3 in 2007. 
and people like and the venom first just one. being dope yeah right like it it just makes sense so not to be clear not the venom films the venom character yes yes <laughs> <laughs> although i will say i do have guilty pleasure watching those venom movies oh i i enjoyed the shit out of two I it, thought it was fun. so it was so bad. It was the, the definition of it's so bad. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. So Morbius is an interesting one where I'm like, I, I don't know what to expect from that, because every time I see the trailer and there's someone saying next to me that I'm I'm friends with and seeing a movie, I'm like, that's a Spider-Man villain. I'm like, what? What are you talking <laughs> about? I'm like, don't worry about it. Um. So, yeah, it, it'll be interesting seeing what happens. And then I guess if Batman doesn't make that billion dollar mark maybe Doctor Strange 2, since we're hearing about all these other rumored characters that could come in, though I don't know if anyone cares about... Doctor uh, Strange to that extent. Yeah, or even like some of those characters, like uh, the original Fantastic Forecast or whatever. Well, I wonder if, knowing that, Marvel in their marketing in the coming months, similar to like they did in No Way Home, showing, hey, the villains are going to be here, teasing some of that along the way. So I've got a list of films here in 2022 that I think could reach the mark. My confidence in them varies, but these these are the films I think I have a shot. The Batman, Top Gun Maverick, Mm. Doctor Strange 2, Thor 4, MI7, Avatar 2, Jurassic World, Dominion, which I think these movies are shit, but for some (laughs) reason they they stack bread. I don't know why. And Black Panther 2. I keep forgetting that comes out next year. Um, but yeah, because it, because it's had some problems to say, yes, to say the least problems. Um, I, I do wonder if those problems could result in a delay, like maybe even just a couple of months. But then if you delay that, you delay everything. Right? Well, it was That's already it bumped. Was. It was originally yeah. supposed to hit July and then they delayed it back to November. So right. and that and that's a pretty big bump. Yeah. So I guess I don't know. There are some like Top Gun's an interesting pick. You think you think the the younger audience would go and see that? Because that's like something I would think like my dad wants to see. And I, I want to see it too. I really I actually it, recently but. watched Top Gun this past year for the first time and I, I didn't really love it. Um yeah. it, it felt very 80s. I think that I'm gonna <laughs> like I think I'm gonna like this one a lot more. Sure. Tom Cruise can never be doubted. That's kind of my my Fair. thought here. The, this guy always figures out a way to make a successful, wildly successful film, especially yeah. if it turns out to be very good. COVID is going to play a lot into it. I think that COVID is what hurt West Side Story the most because yeah. the demographic is a bit older. They were probably not as eager to go out and see it. If things are better by the time Top Gun comes out, which is in the summer, so you would imagine it will be, I think it's got an outside chance. Do I think it's the film on this list that has the best chance? (laughs) Unfortunately, I think the film on this list that has the best chance is Avatar 2, which is a franchise that I also fucking think is ridiculous. But (laughs) as you pointed out, I do think that the Batman will be a good indicator of sort of where the box office is going to be as we head forward. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Spider-Man, I want to discuss Andrew Garfield's return. Now, this is something that, I mean, this poor dude had to lie about it for this guy. What, two years at this yeah, point? It's so it'll while. be interesting to actually hear his enthusiasm about the character now that he's allowed, given how it all ended for him eight years ago, given all the lying that he's had to do in the the last two years. But then also given the fact that a lot of people found his character to be no way Holmes scene stealer. I mean, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was, I thought all three Peter Parker's were good, but he just had an energy on scene that I don't think 
uh, either of them had. And I think that could be explained by the fact that Garfield is the most accomplished performer of the three. I don't really yeah. think that that's close. So what do you, if you had to peg it on a scale of one to 10, where would you think the likeliness of him coming back is? I'm going to put it at like a, a 6.5, right? Wow, like, that's pretty so- high. I think like it's here's where I fall like specifically like I think after this movie came out and maybe even a little bit before Sony got in a boardroom and was like this movie's gonna do banger numbers we need to get we need to replicate this somehow and the, I guess the best way of doing that is like well our two guys Toby and Andrew how do we make this happen again and and I guess you know that means incorporating him somewhere I don't know if it's Venom 3 I don't know if it's his own movie I don't know what it is but you have to imagine that conversation has been had numerous times now in the last few weeks, because why wouldn't you? Well, and a uh, THR piece today revealed that both him and Toby signed on in December 2020, yeah. which is around the same time that Alfred Molina spilt the beans that he he was going to be yeah. in it. So it kind of all came uh, to form at once. Yeah. You got to think oh, over the course of the past year, they've been up his ass about it, right? Absolutely. I mean, especially with Garfield seeming to return to stardom. It seemed like he took a break these last few years following, yeah. uh, what was that? Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge, Ridge, which was yeah. 2017. He's probably going to score a best actor nom for Tick, Tick, Boom. Our, our old friend, Brandon Katz, thinks he has a shot at winning, which only buoys the chances. I think it boils down to if he wants to or not. I think if he, if he does want yeah. to, it's going to happen. I think the Amazing Spider-Man 1 is underrated. I think the Amazing Spider-Man 2 is legitimately dog shit. So I think giving... <laughs> I. I do I think an amazing Spider-Man three will happen? No, but do I? But as you touched on, do I see him being in Venom three or perhaps the Spider-Man in a Sinister Six film? Mm-hmm. I think that that if he's on board, I don't see why anyone else wouldn't be game for it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because it seems like at least around the Amazing Spider-Man two, he's kind of not said it, but said it uh, like Sony fucked him. Right. Like he was like, I just felt like nothing was working and like they, everyone was putting their hands in this pot and, and he couldn't do anything about it. And, and his condition to coming back, maybe you let me, the director and the writer, we all kind of have our creative freedom and, you know, you can give your notes, but we do what we want to do because why would you want to put yourself back in that situation? Cause you know, the, the story of both of those movies is a tale as old as time at this point where everyone kind of knows he got screwed and it's really unfortunate because he's very passionate. And, you know, I, I watched that video of him going to comic con, taking off the mask and doing his big speech. Like that passion is there. And you can tell like if he was allowed to just be like, let me in the room with the writers and let's talk. Let's let's create a story. You'd probably get something special. I think another outlet for his return and something that I've I've heard in the in the space is them coming back for a Secret Wars mm-hmm. project, which is something that the MCU is going to do at some point. Um, and whether or not they bring back just him or bring back him and Toby is yet to be seen. But given the massive success of No Way Home. Given Spider-Man's place in the culture, I'd argue he's the third most important superhero behind Batman and Superman, even though Superman is kind of uh, faded in the last 20 years or so, but he's still the arc. He's still the yeah. superhero. You know what I yeah. mean? 
And as DC is going to do with Batman, you can never have too many of your most famous guy. You know what I mean? I, no. so, I, so I really think it all boils down to whether or not Garfield is down and in what fashion they would want him to come back in. I yeah. do think that an amazing Spider-Man 3, though, is the least likely of outcomes. Now, do we think Toby gets the same consideration or is his story done? It's it's interesting because he's more because and real age. quick I'd argue Spider Man four would be a bigger draw <laughs> than Amazing Spider Man three. You would think so. And and the, touching back on that Hollywood Reporter thing today, I mean, he was apparently a big reason why they did not delve into what happens after Spider Man three. What villains did you face? Uh, we're just keeping it to Spider Man three and stuff, right? So. Does that mean he's game for Spider-Man 4 and doesn't want to risk, you know, telling a story that hasn't been told on the screen or something? I don't know. Um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, like, it's it's weird because he's kind of older. He's around the age like Ben Affleck is, right? And he's kind of like, I don't want to do it. I'm getting older and all this stuff. And But Ben Affleck has, you know, you can see his butt chin, right? You know, it's you know if it's Ben Affleck or not in the suit. <laughs> but with Tobey Maguire, he can just put on the, the mask and the, you don't really have to think about it. He just has to be there for the Peter Parker scenes. Right. Um, Great point. So it's it's interesting. I, I don't know. You it's know, not as much of a tax on his, on his body, body, you're saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's been out of the on-screen stuff for a while now uh but he's coming back he's got some sort of like apple tv show in production and, and he's also gonna pop up in uh damien chazelle's which i can't fucking wait for Looks awesome yeah yeah. yeah yeah or sounds awesome i should say um the uh the possibility of that happening it seems like it's not unlikely again i really don't know i imagine that conversation has been had and sam raimi's directing movies again he's doing superhero stuff we don't know <laughs> yeah yeah i gotta say of the two i think that andrew garfield is the more tantalizing actor to return but i think the prospect of spider-man 4 is much more thrilling especially when you hear what raimi had planned way yeah. back when i think there was vulture and black cat and a few more so yeah we'll see the bottom line is money talks and there's a lot of it going around so you gotta <laughs> think that everyone's trying to get paid yes exactly so you give us a great segue into our next topic, and that is the trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, which was attached to No Way. I don't, I don't even know if I'd call it a trailer, really. I'd call it more of a mood setter teaser. Yeah. Um, it was attached to No Way Home as a post-credit scene. It was released officially last week. I've stated numerous times Doctor Strange is my favorite MCU character. I just think his powers are the coolest. I think he is... Um, even though Spider-Man beat him with the power of math in No Way Home, I think that, I think that <laughs> Doctor Strange is probably the strongest Avenger in a roundabout way. You know, not counting, yeah. I guess, Wanda or something, but and also him being the key to the multiversal chaos that uh, comic book genre seems to be going towards. He's sort of the conduit of that, so he's a very important character going forward. Do you think any elements of No Way Home are going to pop up in this film I, I my running theory going into spider-man no way home was that toby mcguire would be like stuck in this world and dr strange would have to send him back home or something and that's why sam raimi was doing it but now that doesn't make any sense at all um though i mean i guess there's you know with other characters being rumored to show up i guess it's possible he still finds a way to come back in i don't know you know at the end of no way home when dr strange is trying to close the sky 
You very clearly see Rhino. Yeah. Uh, I think we also get a hint of Craven. Craven. But yeah. those are just two of like hundreds of characters yeah. in the sky. So the the door, like I've been saying, the door, if it's shut, it won't be for long. Correct. Yeah, it seems like maybe he's put a band-aid on it, right? Like it's right. not gonna solve the issue. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what specifically it it's like you said, it's they've just teased kind of the tone of this movie. We don't know like who the big villain is besides maybe Doctor Strange, evil Doctor Strange. We we don't really know Mordo. what's going on. Yeah, I guess, yeah, that's too. Uh there's a lot of different directions they could take with this movie. Um I, I don't know. I have actually a question because you had said uh previously on, on your show that you were confused about the way Doctor Strange was behaving in the trailers for and Go I Home. still am. I still you're am still, you're still confused. I thought it was actually interesting because in the trailers they use different takes than the movie that make it look a little more sinister, right? It's like the wink and stuff and says some weird lines, but in the movie it's completely different. And yep. I found it easier to believe that, but I can see why you'd still be feeling that way i wonder if those those takes were going to be in the movie and were alluding to something in this movie dr mm, great point I, I don't know uh that's that's the only thing i can think of but i don't know i i don't i don't know how concrete all of that was or if it's just for marketing you know i once read a book called dark matter which is sort of like a multiversal story about a uh a regular joe right yeah. Now just lives his life. A version of him from an alternate world steals his life. Mm-hmm. And that was and that was something that I thought was going on with Doctor Strange, that Doctor Strange Supreme, what we had seen in What If, had stolen his life to get back um the hell's her name? Uh his his wife. Yeah. Uh his I forget her name too from uh, girls. <laughs> right. Uh Christine Palmer is the character's name. And uh I still think that that's on board. I do want to point out that in the trailer, Mordo, who was already pissed with Doctor Strange to begin with, I think it was the coolest line in the trailer. He was like, your desecration of reality will not go unpunished. I hope you understand that the greatest threat to this universe is you. So while I don't think any direct plot elements are going to fa- uh, from No Way Home are going to factor into this film, I do think that the overarching themes well that dr strange is too reckless too cocky too careless with the multiverse now maybe he's since learned that he's got to chill the fuck out but that is sort of what i i I see being the plot thread but between those two films but that's probably like i don't think peter is going to show up in this or no no i don't think so either uh rachel mcadams by the way right 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 uh go ahead that's really all I'd say. <laughs> uh, so something that we touched on, do we think that the evil Doctor Strange is the same one from What If? I mean, I think it would be silly if it wasn't, right? I had When What If was on the air, I had long said that, like every MCU project so far, What If is going to tie, tie into the larger MCU at large. And yeah. it appears that Shuma Gorath, Captain Carter, who may or may not pop up in this film as well, and Doctor Strange Supreme seems to be that link. So do you think that that's the same character? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think it would make sense to see like those other characters like Captain Carter and stuff, because, you know, like it's interesting that you can you don't have to go and make a live action movie to get the audience familiar with them. You can do an animated thing. And then when you see uh, who's the actress that plays Sharon. Sharon Carter. Yeah. Uh, 
that escapes me right now too. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Google it. We're professionals, I swear. Um, her, if you see her pop up in live action form as that character in Doctor Strange 2, that'd be really cool. And kind of a payoff for those people who have watched that show. Because right now, we haven't had a reason for anybody to go and watch those shows like other than you want to be entertained, right? Like there's no, my dad doesn't watch them. So, and we've watched all the movies together and there's been nothing he's been confused about from the shows, right? Like it's not happened. Right. Uh, we thought Loki would have more of an impact on no way home but no correlation yeah and so real quick it's not it's not sharon carter it's peggy carter oh my god yeah and she's played by Haley atwell i will also point out that while what if didn't really do it for me at large the doctor yeah. strange one was fucking fantastic yeah. and was and was my favorite by far and again as i said doctor strange is my favorite avengers character so an evil version of him is just as cool to me yeah um so to that point, do we think that the evil Doctor Strange is going to be the main villain? I would think so. I mean, having him as the like end of the trailer seems to be setting up something larger and more mysterious. It seems like that's a substantial place to put him in the trailer rather than just like a quick cut or something. You know, he has a speaking line and stuff, I think. And it, it would seem likely that he is going to play a serious role in this movie, whether or not he's like the main antagonist. He'll be like number two at worst. Yeah, and I, I think evil Doctor Strange is sort of a lazy way to describe him because I don't know if I would necessarily describe that character as evil to the bone. I think he was misguided. Um, right. I think he was, you know, to put it in a non-comic book way, lost in the sauce. Uh, <laughs> but, like, love will do that, right? Especially yeah. when it's a chick like Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Um, <laughs> so while I would like that be to be the case, like, I would love to see a Doctor Strange versus Doctor Strange battle. I don't know how you have him in that in this sure. film and not do that at some point. Yeah. I actually more so think I could see the pair forming a sort of uneasy alliance. Mm. Like, because Doctor Strange Supreme at the end of his what if arc or at the end of his episode, I think like the last thing he says was, I'm sorry. And like, I never meant for this to happen. Sure. So while I do think he is definitely a more evil version, I don't necessarily think that qualifies him as a villain. And I could see him sort of trying to warn Dr. Strange sure. where this road could lead him down. You know, yeah. the one line he does say is things just got out of hand, which could mean literally anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. there's no, so there's no solid indication of how villainous he'll be in this film. I will say that I need to see them fight. That's just that is a that is a no brainer. Doctor Strange is action. You know, when you think and something that I point to a lot, which is why I love this character so much when they battle Thanos on Titan. He's really the only one that could shoot the ones. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Nobody else stands a chance. And not only is he physically capable, but it's aesthetically and visually incredible. So to have those those power sets go head to head, I think would just be fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, another key figure of this trailer, of course, is Scarlet Witch. Now, she also, while I wouldn't qualify, <laughs> qualify her as evil, I would consider her to be, to say the least, misguided uh she obviously has her reasons given the loss of vision given the loss of her children yada yada so what i want to discuss is how villainous do we think wanda is going to start and how villainous do we think that she's going to end a wonderful question it's it's i guess you know maybe depending on if that if that's not the doctor strange we saw in what if and it really is an evil doctor strange like it is someone else completely 
I guess maybe that's a way to corrupt her somehow, right? Like you right. use him to interfere there somehow. Say like, hey, check out all this cool evil shit you could do with magic. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, so there's there's a lot of interesting. You want new kids? Like, I got new kids I for you. Kids. Yeah. <laughs> I'll bring back Vision. I'll bring you, your whole family. Don't worry about it. I'll give yeah. you Magneto as your dad. You know whatever <laughs> you need. Um, there's a lot of interesting ways to handle her character, and and really, we don't know what she's up to. You see her fingertips turning black, and I was gonna point to that absolutely, which is sinister, and obviously it had to do with uh, Agatha, and because uh, her fingertips turn black in yep. the in the show. Um, so there's there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that, and I don't really know. Like she seems like she's reluctant, which could make for a more easy approach to turning her bad you know because like she's like i don't know what i'm capable of uh and when we do first see her she sort of seems to be in exile like a self-imposed yeah. like she's off in a beautiful home which when you first see it in the trailer i was like is that the x-men school that was the first thought <laughs> in my head because it, it looks similar sure. um I don't think I I actually think you nailed it. I, I think that Doctor Strange is gonna go seeking her help. And when they get into the multiverse and she sees its potential, mm -hmm. that may push her over the edge. Do you think they're gonna do at some point, you know, like people always talked about the no more mutants thing or whatever that she says in the comic books? Right. Uh is that a way where they're gonna bring in the mutants via her somehow? Because I think that could be interesting. The mutants thing is fascinating because we know the x-men are coming i would argue in the next half decade or so like it wouldn't yeah. surprise me if x-men is the first phase five film uh but to that point i still think it's a little early you think so? i don't know how they're gonna balance like i think to introduce x-men it needs to be like she's a supporting character in her in a film that's not her own that seems yeah. like too distant of a way to introduce a hero set as seismic as them right i guess you don't have to do it as like they're literally introduced then and there but maybe what she does impacts how they are introduced later so right. that way you don't have to worry about casting them right now and stuff right. <laughs> i'm trying yeah, to think yeah, logistically yeah. about it too just like <laughs> how do you get all these people in the movie because i know the rumor is xavier's in this movie mm -hmm. and we'll touch on that yeah so i don't know uh she's a very interesting character and we don't really know much about her inclusion is that the same house as the one it can't be from, it's not from it's not the one that we saw at the end of wandavision was very much like in a wooded sort of yeah. forest and this is sort of like an upstate new york in the yeah. sprawling greens type yeah. of vibe um do you, do you remember <laughs> regardless wherever she is she's up to some shit yeah she is do you remember, um, like, a few weeks or even months after WandaVision came out, people spotted, like, an invisible figure coming down mm, to her house, mm. but it was, like, added, like, later? Yeah, well, when, when we talk about <laughs> things on like that on this show, we call them a hits-bong theory, where it's like, you're just very deep, you're just so deep in the it weeds at this point, yeah. yeah. Like, like, oh, I saw a shadow move. That's got to yeah. be Doctor Strange. I don't really try to engage with all that because you will lose your mind. You yes, know what I mean? Yes. It's like uh, trying to break down the plot of Tenet where it's like, don't, don't, <laughs> don't bother. Just go with it. I don't, I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm hoping a future version of myself will one day come back in time to explain <laughs> that that film to me. Because <laughs> if not, I'm never going to get it. It's okay. uh, one more <laughs> character I want to touch on is Wong, who, by the way, I thought this was a great little No Way Home tidbit is the yeah. new sorcerer supreme which also uh i thought it was a great 
added on detail mm-hmm. to sort of um, acknowledge the fact that Doctor Strange has not been doing his job, but it's also not enough of an explanation for me as to why he's not doing his job. But the trailer to shows him in some peril. Do yeah. we think he dies? It'd be an interesting way to then give Doctor Strange the source of supreme powers or, you know, title, I guess, uh, as he dies. So it goes on to not next of kin necessarily, but right. the next person who's likely to get it. Um, Cue yeah. succession theme song now. <laughs> that's that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like it's he's up to some stuff, too. Like we've seen mm-hmm. him a lot this year mm-hmm. specifically, um, you know, in Chang-Chi and and, and that yeah. what I think is leads me to know because he's clearly involved in, in the Shang-Chi story at this yeah, point. So unless true. they plan on explaining like like because the last literally the last frame of Shang-Chi is them going off with Wong. Right. So you have to assume that Shang-Chi, too, is going to which is already in the works, mm-hmm. is going to pick up from this point. Maybe using the multiverse, they find a new Wong, Wong <laughs> 2.0. Yeah, but it does seem to th- it does seem to me that Doctor Strange is going to have to save Wong to some extent. Sure, maybe you just get a uh, like the shadowy Wong, like shadowy Doctor Strange. Right, you just have two of them. <laughs> Put him in uh, rehab. Um, <laughs> Two quick things. What characters from other universes do we hope to see? As you touched on, there have been tons of X-Men rumors floating around. I think Charles Xavier is the most likely. We've already in the X-Men films in uh, Days of Future Past. Not quite multiversal, but we see the young version of himself converse with the old version. So we know that he's like power-wise is capable of such a move. So Mm -hmm. do... I mean, I think it's a foregone conclusion that somebody is going to pop up, right? Right. Yeah, I guess it's just like how many, right? Like how big is this movie? I know some people are like Deadpool. This could be a good way of introducing him. I'm like, yeah, but Deadpool thematically and not only not only a Doctor Strange film, but one that looks this dark. just doesn't yeah. fit just no. does not fit for me no it doesn't uh there there's other characters i guess you could introduce you know um magneto again is one we've talked about you know if you want it doesn't necessarily have to be the one we saw in the movies it could be michael fassbender playing a variant of another magneto who has had you got to think that of all the names that they would want to bring back he's at the top of the list right yeah i fucking love and i actually you're you're a big bond guy yeah even though he's a bit old now and probably too old he was my number one choice to fill that role had they maybe not done another craig movie uh you know five years ago or whatever uh maybe he would have been the next likely candidate you probably could have gotten a couple out of him had they started shortly after that yeah but uh yeah fastbender's like a great actor you kind of want him just even if he's not here to stay just show have him show up mm-hmm. um and i'm trying to think like people have mentioned like the original fantastic forecast uh <laughs> jessica alba and stuff i'm like fucking wild now like, that is a it's punk theory all right oh my god that's what i'm like you know what like i'd be the only one standing and clapping just because <laughs> i'm like i i don't care these movies aren't great but i i have fun watching them you know yeah. chris evans coming in as human torch and he's like what the fuck is going on <laughs> yeah. um oh that would be something that would be something i mean we know f- Fantastic Four is coming, and it would yeah. be very unmarvel like to just drop them in out of nowhere. You yeah. do think that they're going to establish that plot thread before that film comes out, right. so this yeah. could 
be a way to do so. And then finally on Doctor Strange, I want you to rank your 2022 MCU films in terms of how hyped you are for them. I would say Doctor Strange number one, and then uh, Thor is two, and then is Black Panther the only other one? Mm-hmm. And then Black Panther, just because that movie seems like it's got a lot, a lot of problems. Yeah. yeah, I uh, so I have the same top two: Doctor Strange two, number one; Thor four, number two. I'm cheating a bit. I've got Moon Knight at three because I think of <laughs> I think of all the MCU shows so far. Moon Knight and Oscar Isaac in particular Absolutely. is the most movie ready. I don't see how Moon Knight only exists on TV. I think that the show is kind of a trial run, and if it goes well, they'll bring them into films. And then, yeah, like you said, I've got Black Panther 2 at 4. Marvel and Ryan Coogler should never be doubted. That needs to be said. But with, obviously, the tragic death of Chad Bozeman and having to build a plot around that, the issues that they've had with the production, not only actually making the movie, but the woman who's being set up as its next star, Letitia Wright, seems to be uh, to not get too political, a bit problematic, uh, to say the least. So, uh, But I can see myself being wrong. Absolutely. It's just not very fair because A, Doctor Strange as I've said, is my favorite. B, I think that the rehabilitation of Thor over the last few years has been incredible. While I think that Doctor Strange is the most important uh, combatant against Thanos, I think Thor is the sort of emotional core of those films. You know, the arc that he goes through is, you know, they start with the comedy of Ragnarok. They they show the redemption in Infinity War and then the flat-out depression in Endgame. Combine that with all... I mean, they, they fucking recruited Christian Bale, for fuck's sake, to yeah. play a character named Gore the God yeah. Butcher. So they're going to have the Guardians of the Galaxy in it. So there's just a lot in that film to be absolutely hyped for. Absolutely. Speaking of things we're hyped for, this is your boy's domain. New trailer <laughs> for The Batman released this week out of thin air and i tweeted that every trailer makes this film look better and better i want to say this without offending i have the dark knight as my in my top five favorite films of all time but i do think that the batman stands a legitimate chance certainly more than the dark knight rises did or batman v superman did of being the greatest Batman movie of all time. Uh, And I'll get into why in a bit. But first, I want to ask you, what elements of this film are you most hyped for? I think just having a detective story. That's what they've been talking about since like Ben Affleck was doing this movie, right? Like they're like, this is a detective story. And although this is a new story, not Ben Affleck's story, uh, it seems Matt Reeves wanted to tell that same detective story, right? And I think that's a really exciting thing because we get hints of that throughout the Nolan movies and then even Batman versus Superman, but we haven't seen it fully examined and having the Riddler and this like almost David Fincher-esque mystery Mm, and and great stuff. Great comparison. Heavy, heavy seven vibes going on here. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very exciting. So I think just having that element of, of mystery is very exciting because I don't know that we've had a Batman movie with, mystery right like every movie is a little bit of that but you know yeah uh, that's that's a great point that's an absolutely great point we we really don't know what's going on here and and it seems to me like they're setting up the idea that bruce wayne's parents were maybe corrupt or something which is Mm -hmm. something they did in the telltale batman games i don't know if you've played those but that's a that's a big point from like the first one where like 
Bruce Wayne's parents were not. And now are the court of owls involved in those games? Because that's where people sort to seem to think that this story is going to lead. Uh, not the first, like their season base, uh, but I don't think the first season is, I never finished the second one, but I, I don't think so. That one okay. had Riddler in it as well okay. in the second season, which was interesting. Um, Paul Dano season, baby. That guy's a fucking yeah. freak in everything he's in. And now he's just about to let it all hang out. He's a menace. Uh, <laughs> I, I cannot wait to see it. And this was actually interesting because I didn't, unless it's been in other trailers, I don't think it has, but you see other people in like Riddler garb, like his whole like garbage bag, whatever the hell he's mm-hmm. wearing. It looks you like see, duct tape even. Yeah. Like whatever the hell that is, like there's other guys running around wearing that. So mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like the cult. Like yeah, a cult-esque vibe, yeah. That's definitely it. Like, it's, I don't know what his deal is. We've only seen him, like, maybe once, really, in that that last trailer where they go to the coffee shop. You, you get a couple small glimpses otherwise, but we don't really know what his his whole shtick is in this movie, and it's going to be interesting to find out. Um, it also kind of seems like maybe they're playing on the idea of, like, the whole Twitter thing where people are like, Batman's a bad guy because he doesn't help the criminals. <laughs> And and the the lady at the beginning of the, the trailer like, hey, I don't really see you doing a whole lot here, asshole. And right. it seems like maybe they're leaning into that somehow. And maybe that's Riddler's thing where he's like, I know who you are. You're not a good guy. You may think you are, but you're not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm, but I'm interested in that mystery. For me, and 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 here's why I think that this film could be the greatest Batman all film of all time. Because The Dark Knight is not a Batman movie. It's a Joker movie. Correct. You find yourself waiting for Joker scene. (laughs) You find yourself hanging on every word that he says. And this is a criticism that I have of the Nolan films at large. The actual Batmaning fighting. You know, I will, for all of his haters, Zack Snyder's Batman warehouse scene in BVS is the best on film Batman fight scene yet. So. All of the Batmaning, the fighting, the detectiving, the grappling across buildings, mm-hmm. having sex with Catwoman, <laughs> all that shit. The actual Batman being Batman looks like it's going to be the core product of this film. And yeah. as somebody who, you know, you saw my tweet, I'm about to dive back into the Arkham games. Yeah. You know, that's sort of the closest I've ever come to feeling like Batman had come to life. Mm-hmm. And that is what I think this film is going to do well. And that's something I really just cannot wait for. This is also sort of a contentious debate. Will Joker appear slash do we even want him to? Um, I know that rumor of Barry, uh, what's his name? Uh, I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. Um, He's he's who, who, by the way, if that's true, I think that's phenomenal casting. It's interesting casting for sure. It's not someone I would have guessed. So I'm like, if they're going to do it, I guess that's a really interesting choice that I'm curious of seeing. Similar to Paul Dano, everything I've seen him in, he's just a fucking creep. (laughs) And good, but he's a creep. But then in Eternals, he showed that he could turn on the charm too, yeah. which is a key part of Joker. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I am curious because like apparently the rumor is they're testing two different versions where he shows up or he doesn't show up. Or that's I've heard I that don't as know well. The specifics, yeah. Like it's it's kind of all up in the air right now. Um, it, it'll be interesting seeing if they do it. I don't know if I want to yet. Mm. I guess the idea is like people are curious is is that guy that he visits in jail is that the Joker right uh, mm. and 
that would be cool to see him having already locked him away. And like, there've also been uh, some um, talks about in the first trailer where Batman sort of takes on a street gang and and he like breaks that guy's fucking arm off that they have sort of uh, from the Batman cartoons, like a Joker Joker gang as painting on them. Yeah. Yeah, I I guess like the idea that Joker has already been captured and he's this looming person that, Batman has to go to and like talk to and not just like a villain. He's already has to beat up or whatever. He's there and he's like someone he has to bounce back and forth off of, which is mm-hmm. an interesting Absolutely. dynamic. Um, I mean, if you look at the dark Knight, the the best scene is the one where they yes. sit down and talk. So yes, exactly. So that, that could be a really interesting way. If they're going to do it, that's how I want to see them do it again. Do I want to, I, I think that's something I, I want to see Reeves's take on it because he's, got a lot of cool ideas with just this movie alone so but i I think if i was gonna want that it'd be in like the third movie or Mm -hmm. something uh Mm -hmm. let batman do other things that we haven't seen and then obviously the biggest threat the joker you do that at the end or yeah so here's my take on it i think joker is just as responsible for batman's place in the culture as batman himself right they're yin and yang and that's sort of the appeal of of the two i also don't think warner bros is going to let (laughs) a batman story be told and not maybe not in this film but over the course of 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 the three films i feel like that that is a non-negotiable point for them joker has to appear right yeah the only reason that i would say no is because out of any superhero out there spider-man in a distant to close second maybe batman's villains are just incredible and when you talk about character like newer characters like the court of owls or hush i don't know if you know who hush is but or even somebody more off the wall like freeze like freeze in the arkham games are dope so if you combine him from those games with the heart of ice tale from the batman cartoon from when i I was a kid Mm. that's a compelling story it also lends itself to some sex set pieces so my argument for the Joker not being in it would be to give other villains time to shine. My realization <laughs> is that that's just simply not going to happen. And I've, I've accepted that he is going to pop up at some point. And if he does, I think Barry Keegan is phenomenal casting. So yeah. it's just something that I've come to accept. Now, you raise a good point of him having to like converse and bounce ideas off of him in this film. I envisioned it as more of a post credit scene type thing. Oh, okay. So, or, you know, a third act type thing, but sure. him factoring into the narrative of this film would be a definite surprise, like sort of like a uh, Silence of the Lambs type yeah. vibes where they have yeah. to ask a serial killer how to catch one. Yeah. I could see your point there. Totally. Yeah. It, and and Joker and Riddler are not terribly dissimilar. Like they are and they aren't like Riddler's more calculated. Joker's a lot more chaotic, but they have similar antics, I guess. Mm -hmm. So you could see Batman not knowing what the fuck is going on and going to Joker and be like, are you doing this? And to be clear, this is a year two story. So there is a full year of crime fighting that Batman has done. Yeah. And in the history of the character, Joker is usually one of the first villains that he runs into. So exactly. So, you know, he goes there thinking like, I've seen something like this before. This matches this guy's MO. I'm going to go talk to him and be like, you're here. How did you do this? And Joker's like, wasn't me, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Big time law abiding citizen vibes. Yeah, for real. Um, okay. So 
I think we're both kind of on the same page here that he's going to pop up in some shape Probably. or form. How do you feel about the casting? It's again, it's not someone I would have picked. Like it's not someone who even been in my brain. Like, he has a very Joker esque face. He has like a weird face, and that's why I'm like, will they even do like? I could see him being in in Arkham or wherever he is, and he doesn't even have face paint on. Maybe he just has his green hair because like, right. you know, why would he have face paint on and make uh, in prison? Um, but like, I, I don't know. Uh, again, it's not something that I would have picked and, but I, I'm interested and open to seeing him do it. Uh, it's like a Heath Ledger type thing where like, you'd probably see it and go like, what the fuck are they thinking with this guy? Like, really? yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then maybe, Oh, how wrong. Right. Oh, how wrong they were. Exactly. So I, it's some, I'm never going to doubt the Joker casting because with the exception of Jared Leto, I think they've all been great. And even oh yeah, him, Cage, you're fitting in already. <laughs> even him, like he, he does an interesting gangster thing, but that is not, is not it. <laughs> I'm still mad about that fucking movie. that it's been close to seven years. Um, it's bad. <laughs> two more quick things that I mm-hmm. want to touch on. You got to think that they're hoping given the way that she's framed in this trailer to make a Zoe Kravitz solo film, right? That would be really cool. Or even like an HBO Max thing, right? Like right. if you have to do it that way. I, she I, seems I great like already. Do you, uh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Do, <laughs> do you think it's going to spark the bat? Does Batman eat pussy debate again? Cause like, <laughs> I, I, I remember that like... from a few, few months ago. Look, this Bruce Wayne, not Ben Affleck's aside seems to be, the horniest just yeah. by the way that their fight goes he magically lands on top of her face to face oh whoops i fell into your pussy like <laughs> how did that happen uh but i just think that the way i mean the casting she's a on the rise star the way in which she very much seems to be i don't want to be offensive by using the term sidekick but she does seem to be his right hand his right hand in in this film and given the way that Warner Bros. is trying to franchise out every possible IP in every direction. I can't see how they're not trying to plan that. Um, I'm looking this up just to make sure. Uh, did you see that apparently Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle are childhood friends in this movie? No, but that's a thread we've seen before. Yeah, which is interesting. I assume that she doesn't know that he's Batman, at least for right. a portion of this movie. Right. Um. Yeah, it says the appearance of his childhood friend, Selena Kyle, a.k.a. Catwoman, um, okay, interesting. which which could be interesting. I don't know uh, where that leads them, but uh, it's I am curious in their dynamic. I'm curious where her story goes. Uh, it seemed like at least in the second trailer, we see a glimpse of that same scene in, in this one. But uh, it looks like she gives him up to Gordon or something at one mm-hmm. point or mm-hmm. Gordon interrupts. Them. That is one of the most interesting clips in the trailer when she jumps off the building mm-hmm. batman seems to be being like held yeah. down by somebody who like you said does look like gordon yeah and it that either causes like he's been betrayed he's trying to get her or something like it doesn't give off the vibes that he's like letting her go because he's going to sacrifice himself for her it looks okay. like he's trying to get to her you know? yeah and i and i do think that highlighting the dynamic and romance between them is smart because while ben affleck's version was sort of like a ladies man's swinger type vibe and mm-hmm. uh bale's version had a pseudo obsession with um rachel right rachel uh, <laughs> i even forgot her name because she was such a, but uh like this is something that batman films have largely lacked 
but which is one of the core characteristics of him in the comics because what she gives him is something that batman largely doesn't have and that's something to lose and that adds an entire dynamic to his entire being exactly yeah it'll be interesting to see where that goes again it seems like they'll they'll smooch or something once do you think this movie's gonna be r-rated i know it's been like a no for like dollar for like yeah dollar wise purposes no i think that they're gonna scrape the edge of it as close as they can yeah. now yeah it I, I was like a hard fast no for a long time and then i was like but joker did a billion and i'm like true that movie was like way harder than it probably needed to be <laughs> like this movie will not come close to even probably scratching the darkness of that movie True. At least like the last, you know, 10 minutes of that movie. Um, So I'm like, they could get away with it. It's Batman. He's even in a larger draw. So like, it'd be, an, it'd, it'd, it'd be a dope swing. It yeah. certainly would. Uh, and then one, one last quick thing, not real all deep, just that I touched on on the top. Do you think that this has the potential to be the greatest Batman film of all time? Why or why not? Yes. And it's, it's specifically because of what you said earlier of like Dark Knight's not really a Batman movie. And, and this one is very much, um, and it's combining that groundedness, that grittiness, that realism of the Nolan movies while still embracing some of the more Gothic fantastical stuff Mm -hmm. of the comics and everything else. And I think that's the perfect tone to set. Cause it's like, this is Batman. Like, this is it. This is the modern Batman interpretation. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I want to see that, that good fighting. I want to see that good detective work. I want to see that good Batman sex. I want to see it all, you know, like I want everything to, to exist. Batman sex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want to make sure. Do you think he has like out. a jean zipper in the suit that he just sort of <laughs> flops it out through or he's got to take flops off the whole it. thing? Uh, I, that's a really great question. I <sighs> mean, uh, I, I mean, know, Batman like, is always prepared, so he, prepared. he, he pulls out his bat condom and she says, no, 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 sweetheart, we fuck raw or not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, his his, uh, his suit looks a little more handmade this time. So, I mean, you would mm. think a guy like that. Would Arkham, like, I gotta pay. Speaking of that, that seems to be a heavy vibe, like that what? sort of armor, oh, yeah. mechanical type of suit. Yeah. Um, I, I had brought this up like a long time ago when they first showed the first look at the suit. That was like beginning of 2020. Wasn't the it? only Jesus complaint Christ. that that I have about it real quick is yeah, how big the neck is. Yeah, it's like it's a, a turtleneck little... collar, which I'm not nuts about. But other than that, I think it looks fucking fantastic. Yeah, it looks like the mask is inspired by Zorro, obviously mm-hmm. being the film that him and his parents saw in, in some iterations of the comics and stuff. And uh Good call. The the everyone has mentioned that the bat symbol looks like gun pieces from mm-hmm. maybe the gun that killed his parents and stuff. So it looks like it's all these things that is like he's building out of his trauma. This guy something. is literally wearing his scars. Yeah, exactly. So that's like a really cool. I, I'm I'm so fucking amped for this movie. Yeah, man. yeah. So awesome. that comes out March fourth. I imagine Warner Bros. will screen it for us two weeks before. So. I, I always say the better it is, the sooner they screen it yeah. to you. So if they screen it three, four weeks out ahead of its release, that's a fantastic sign. Uh, all right. So we're going to wrap up there. We're, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will be talking quickly about The Matrix 4 and breaking down the book of Boba Fett. All right. We are back. We are talking about The Matrix Resurrections, which hit HBO Max and theaters on December 22nd. Now, given all the content that we have discussed today, Huge trailers, 
new Star Wars show. We're not going to be diving that deep into it. That's one point of it. Also, because given how dense it is and how layered it is and how built upon itself it is, it's difficult to break down without going thoroughly in detail. So I want to just keep this as sort of an overarching talk just because, you know, you and I have both sent out tweets about how incredible the first film is. I think Reloaded is underrated as hell. There's sort of like an hour long action set piece that blows my mind every time I see it. So I didn't want to have the show and not touch on it, but I do want to keep it simple. So Cade, I ask you, did you enjoy it? And what about it did you like the most? I have a unique perspective on this, I think, because I've only seen the first Matrix movie. Oh, dude, I told you, you got to watch too. I know you did. <laughs> and I will watch it. I will watch you it. You really like, do. It's fucking good, man. I'll, three I'll, is I'll, three is terrible, but two is fucking amazing. I, I've heard the same sentiment. Yeah, I, I'm going to probably this weekend. I wanted to watch it today, but everyone... For the case of this honest. film, though, one is the only one that you really had to see. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually love this movie because I think it's, um, you know, knowing everything I do know about the matrix, how it's been portrayed in the last decade or even longer than that, and how it's been spun into other things. Like it's a, it's a fun way. Uh, people are really angry about this movie, but I, I love it. And <laughs> I think it's a fun That's way good. of like taking it all back and being like, this is what the matrix is to me as Lana Wachowski and, and being like, this is what it will be. You don't get to control that. Mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, fuck you. You know, right, like exactly. the fact they name them out right after we know that they've been trying to make other Matrix movies with other people is so cool. And I just like, I know some people do not like that because they think it's up their own ass or whatever. And I get it, but I think it does it in a smart and fun way. And and maybe the reason some people are upset is because it's not the Matrix 4, you know, like mm-hmm. in the most literal terms. Mm-hmm. Um, it does seem more like a this is about me kind of thing in a way. And I get that while still continuing like the Matrix or uh, the Neo and Trinity love story and all that. So it does a lot of interesting things that I, I love and I do like the meta stuff. And I, I, I particularly always point out that scene uh, where there's a bunch of people in a room talking about what is the matrix? And it's literally a, <laughs> what is the matrix? Like by committee thing, you know, all the time. Exactly. And it's like, that's not what it is. And I, so I love that, that scene. I think that's a really cool, effective way of, of demonstrating the point. Okay, fair enough. I, uh, I I agree in parts. I think, you know, the question becomes, and it is a meta question in and of itself, how much meta is too meta? You know what right. I mean? How do you toe that line between being up your, like, how far can you stick your head up your own ass before <laughs> it comes out your mouth? You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly, yeah. And here's my larger complaint. I don't mind the meta narrative. I don't mind the focus on the love story. As I say on this show a lot, romantic sci-fi, as I call it, is like my favorite genre. Yeah. Um, but here's my main problem with it, mm. especially in comparison to the first two films, which I thought were, whether Lana wants to agree or not, were their defining traits. I thought that the action was underwhelming. And especially if yeah. you see two and you see some of the shit that they put on and compare <laughs> it to this, it is undoubtedly a letdown. Now, I thought the opening sequence where Bugs sort of awakens Morpheus had that classic Matrix magic to it, right? right. And But beyond that, and granted, Keanu Reeves is a bit 
older, but we know <laughs> from the John Wick films and in this film, he is more than capable of still putting in the work. You know what I mean? Yeah. But the I believe the stunt team wasn't the same. I don't think Chad Stileski, who's gone on to direct the John films, John Wick films, I don't think he was the stunt coordinator for this one. He's and I movie. think he is, he is in the movie <laughs> playing a character named Chad, which yeah. is funny. Um, so that to me was the sort of sort of my touching point of yeah. it didn't live up to the hypes that I, I would hope. Now, I would say that I thought my favorite action scene was the was the fight between Neo and the new Smith. Um, I thought that that had sort of the elements of the old film where not only is it good action, not only does do the punches um, are well coordinated, but they matter, right? Like yeah. the film is hanging in the balance in that moment. And that is what I think was the strength of all of the previous films was right. that it didn't just feel like they were doing a set piece mm-hmm. for the sake of the plot, right? Like we got to have a set piece here. It mattered to the plot. But to that point, I thought Jonathan Groff was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. But he didn't bring the same menace as Hugo Weaving did. Like in those first films, when an agent or Smith alone shows up, you're like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah, this is exactly. this is bad news. This is yeah. and to the to the extent where Agent Smith is one of the most iconic villains of all time. And you just don't get that here. So those combining factors, the lack of a truly compelling counterbalance to Neo combined with what I thought was largely underwhelming action scenes i mean if you compare the dojo fight in this one to the dojo fight in the first one it's child's play it's awful yeah yeah so and Uh, that and that is inherently they could claim it's on purpose or not because we're trying to make fun of ourselves but no it is technically a step down and i'm going to knock you points for that uh, yeah. I will say real quick, since you haven't seen all four, you can't really rank them. I will say that this is better than three, mm. but I don't even think it comes close to one and two. Fair enough. But I do yeah. want you to watch two, man. I will. I will. I'll, I'll watch it for next week. Perfect. Uh, so that way, you know, I can at least give you my surface level opinion. Right. Um, but uh, I, I think uh, what you said about Jonathan Groff is interesting because I felt the same way. It felt like when like an annoying frat boy shows up and he's like got his backwards hat on and he's like, what's up? And it felt like <laughs> that to me. Which and, is fun. Which is fun. Yeah. I don't mind that. No, but yeah. in comparison to the sheer exactly. terror of when of when the original Smith showed up here, like, well, our heroes are fucked now. You just didn't feel that way this time. It it, it feels like either what I just said or like uh, like a really annoying like Wall Street you know guy that just comes from money or something. Like, Which and I'm maybe sure that's was the point. Is, is the right. point, yeah, he's like a studio executive or whatever. So I get it, but it's definitely like I'm not scared when I see this guy walk out from behind a shadow and I'm like, oh, it's that guy. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's not like uh oh. He was a he real. was an interesting character but not a compelling villain exactly he's he's he serves his purpose in the narrative but uh, i would not be like i can't wait to see what they do with him in the next movie or whatever if there was one. Uh, and just that's it i do sort of like the way in which those two or at least on smith's part acknowledge the inherent connection between them yeah and how they're you know to back to our point about batman and joker a yin and yang and the yeah. sort of uh plot twist spoiler warning spoiler warning spoiler warning where they sort of team up for a brief time i i yeah. enjoy that as well but on the whole yeah i while i enjoyed it i was underwhelmed and i think that that's sort of where i i land yeah yeah i, I totally get it i will be fascinated to hear what, what you think of four once you've seen two all right i will i'll make sure to do that then
All right. On that note, we are going to swing over to our last part of the show, the Book of Boba Fett recap and breakdown, episode one of seven. This has sort of been pitched and teased as Mandalorian season 2.5. Title, Stranger in a Strange Land, runtime 38 minutes, so not overly long. I think the original Mando pilot was definitely longer than that. And I want to, before we get into the recap and breakdown i want to ask you okay do you feel like the hype for this show was less than that of mando despite the fact that mando was a new character and boba was an established one and why do you think so yes uh like aggressively so like um it's it's i would have probably not even watched this show had you not even mentioned it like i probably would have been like i'll catch it when it's all out or something right 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 And I, i like star wars and i like boba fett and i like the mandalorian but like the marketing for this was like totally flat. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even think I watched a trailer honestly because mm-hmm. I was just like nobody's talking about this, nobody cares. And not that I'm like a sheep or whatever, but like <laughs> <laughs> I I just I I could not compel myself to get excited. And maybe I'm just kind of Star Wars out or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's it's been weird. And and also I think you know even though I do enjoy Boba Fett, I've always been like he's just cool like it's like four-year-old me is like oh that guy i like him he is warmer <laughs> you know like that's all it is it's uh so i was interested in the show and seeing like can they change my perspective on him and to their credit so far i'm like this is interesting okay I'm following you so far okay cool yeah so for me outside of rogue one mando is like peak star wars to me uh i saw the and this is something that i say to all new parents out there if you want your kids to love the original films you got to make sure they see it before they realize how old it is right i wasn't and that sort of builds a wall of the believability of the the sci-fi of it all now i'm not saying they're not great films i just like again to bring up my old co-host brandon he adores (laughs) star wars Uh, the first three films he put in his top five favorite films uh, of all time. I just don't have that same love for it. But with projects like Rogue One and Mando, I say that I finally began to understand the Star Wars magic, right? Those were the first times I'm like, oh, shit, like, I get this now. The reason that I think that the hype for this, and I do think Star Wars fatigue is a factor, is that Boba Fett is idolized by, like, as you said, by our dads right he's not somebody that necessarily connected with this generation of fans obi-wan is a different story entirely because he was there when we were sort of growing up boba fett wasn't if you were a kid you were kind of confused between the difference of Django and boba yeah, and blah 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 so it. so i think we just sort of missed the boat in terms of the appreciation for him he also spent 30 years becoming like a cult hero like he was barely on screen but people loved him and that was sort of part of the lore of him but we just saw him last year yeah <laughs> you know he got him a ton so it just didn't have that same sort of years in the making anticipation for me mm-hmm. now that said i i thought it was an okay pilot um definitely there you know i like to point out that it didn't have this sort of uh mando pilot mic drop or like yeah. where you're kind of wondering what's the show going to be about what's going on and then the final scene where him and yoda touch fingers you're like oh i fucking get it now <laughs> like, let's, let's go <laughs> beat me up scotty that's a joke 
Um, <laughs> uh, but so I just don't think that. And as Houston, I think that's a really great point. The marketing just didn't feel as committed, didn't feel as uh, didn't feel as epic in scale and scope. But that's also by design because this is going to be a mini series. It, it's a spinoff, right? They, this is not something that they're going to carry on for seasons upon seasons. They're also assuming if you checked out Mando, you'll probably check out this too. So let's dive in. The series opens with, with a scene of Boba Fett in a back to pod, remembering picking up his father's Django uh, Django's helmet. I believe that's in Attack of the Qu- uh, Attack of the Clones, and when he awoke in the Sarlacc pit. He then uses his flamethrower to escape and crawl out of the sand. He's then seen being stripped of said armor by Jawas and being left to in the desert to die before being discovered and captured by Tusken Raiders. While he's temporarily able to escape their bonds, he's subsequently beat down by the apparent head of the tribe. So a few things here for me. One, Stranger in a Strange Land is about a man who was born on Mars and comes to Earth and sort of questions how they're doing things, which is very much a theme of this show so far. Uh, in terms of the opening moments, I was I was relatively disappointed by how unepic the escape from the Sarlacc pit was. You know, this yeah. is something that's been talked about for 30 plus years, and all he does is shoot a quick flame and that's it, he's out. You know, you would yeah. think that they would have made that more of a set piece, um, shown more of the struggle of like, of what it's like to be consumed by a beast, but pretty much he just wakes up, gets out, fucks off, you know? And then, yeah. you know, it seems like the Tuscan Raiders are more of a challenge for him than getting out of the pit. Yeah. Which I just, I, I just found odd. So what, what are your thoughts on sort of where this show kicked off? I like the callback to Django. I think that they're going to do something interesting there. Like, I feel like that is going to play more into the character. You're going to maybe not explicitly see anything uh maybe but like learn more about that what that life was like for him after his dad died i know that they kind of addressed that in the clone wars tv series uh which i have not watched all of i've seen some of it but uh i thought that was interesting and then the sarlacc pit pit is um is really disappointing like you said just because like I, I I don't know what you do to make that like drawn out and exciting, but at the same time, it needed to be more than what it was because, like you said, it's been thirty years over that. Uh, yeah. Like we saw that so long ago, and it makes it seem like he maybe just took a snooze for a bit and then <laughs> woke up and he's like, oh, "All right, I, I guess I should get out now." Yeah, that yeah. really is what it seems like. It seems like he got out the same day he got swallowed. Just like it's maybe a couple hours later, you know, like maybe yeah. daylight savings time kicked in. He's like, oh. Yeah, a day or two max. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't long. And I know, like, uh, he's like struggling to breathe or something. I, I don't quite understand what was happening there, but um, I guess the implication is that his suit is damaged. Maybe, yeah, and, and so that's that's interesting. But uh, like you said, he just flamethrowers his way out, and you know, I guess it's a problem when you have a guy that has all those tools. Like, what do you do? I guess you could have damaged it and just said, like, oh, it got crushed. When or have the swallowed. put uh, or, or put have the pit put up a bit of a fight. Yeah, something, anything. I mean, um, that fucking thing just ate him. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it, it's it's a fucking beast, and you know, like that you were supposed to be scared of that when you watched right. Uh, Return of the Jedi, and now I'm just kind of like, if I were to go back and rewatch that, I would not fear for Han Solo's life. He could probably get out of that. Right, you know? right, yeah. So it's it's a little underwhelming, and then he gets out and he takes another snooze on the on the sand there. Well, yeah, he, he puts up a little bit of a fight, but barely. So by the time the Raiders show up, and we know, and now we see how, because 
when, when we first meet Cobb Vanth in Mando season two, he says he bought Boba's gear off Jawa. So now we see how they, they got it. Uh, a few more quick things that I want to point out. So this is one of the few parallels that we've seen between Boba and Darth Vader, wherein Anakin slaughtered the Tuscan younglings. Boba allows them to live. We also see how he generally needs to spend most of his downtime in a back to tank slash pod. So those are sort of a few little ties between those two iconic Star Wars yeah. characters. And I also think I will give them credit for, I think it's interesting how the series is going to be structured. I expected his escape, the Sarlacc pit and his years, you know, out in the sand to be like one episode, but they appear to be littering it out throughout yeah. each one. And I actually think that that's a really smart choice because it sort of breaks up the story each week and gives you two narrative threads to follow at once um do you think because of that we'll see the fall of the empire from his perspective because i guess like we were saying you know he probably got out of it right as they left you know tattooing or whatever uh i think they have to right yeah that would make sense you know you he doesn't quite know what the fuck's going on but he's gonna find out you know i don't know if he looks up and sees the death star or whatever and explode or mando is very much set in the immediate aftermath of exactly. their fall so getting another perspective of that in the moment would be a wise thing to do especially from his perspective of somebody who worked for them yeah exactly that that's an interesting uh perspective because despite the fact that he clearly has a sort of moral code he was taking their dollars all the same yeah exactly and I'll be interested in seeing if, you know, maybe do some characters that we've seen before pop up in that regard. You know, not many. Oh, it's Star Wars. Of course they will. You know, Luke Skywalker shows up. He's like, I'm here to see Jabba. Oh, wait, I fucking killed him. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's it's there's a lot of different things they can do there. But uh, I, I think they they have an interesting uh, template set up, like you said, with the main story in quote unquote present day. And then in the past, reliving kind of what he's been through and and seeing, you know, I don't know where this story is going to go for him because we know where he has to end up, but it's not clear or why or how or what yeah. what dramatic intrigue that has. Well, and I'm wondering if his time with the Tuscan Raiders informs the moral code that we see uh-huh. him with in mando if if sort of his journeys along the way makes him realize that he shouldn't have worked with the empire and how much damage they cause and sort of sends him on the more righteous path that we see him on now there's been some like a uh, tuscan raider i don't want to say like erasure but like uh <laughs> revisionist history maybe of like they're all right they're all right yeah you know, yeah, yeah. these last few star wars projects po- post disney acquisition like i don't know if they were starting to do that when lucas was around but it definitely feels like they're trying to be like you know what maybe they're not that bad they're misunderstood yeah exactly so i i, I like that <laughs> they live in the fucking desert how can you not be a <laughs> that's fair that's fair all right, so from there, we see Fennec Shand awake Boba from the back to tank and tell him that people are paired up there to pay their respects as he's sort of the new crime lord. We get a classic armor suit up montage and uh, Boba takes his place on Jabba's former throne. Then a repre- after a few people do what they're supposed to do and pay him up, a representative for the mayor shows up expecting a tribute from Boba. And as he walks out, sort of threateningly says to expect another delegate in the future. 
first of all, did not know there was a mayor of Tatooine or wherever. <laughs> like, I, I don't know if he's walking around in a suit and top hat or what his democracy. I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's Stop probably, this deal. It, <laughs> it definitely seems like they probably have more of a dictatorship than anything else. If I had to guess, it's Tatooine, right? Um, you would have thought like Jabba is the the mayor of Tatooine or something. Well, I think I, he's sort of so I think that's the key distinction here where like he's like the crime boss right so whereas like to tie it into batman while there's a mayor of gotham oswald cobblepot is like the underworld you know head sure sure yeah that makes sense yeah i i like this character this uh delegate or whatever i i thought he's so quirky and weird and i'm like i don't know i want you back though i want you to come back well you touch on a good (laughs) good point because this show seems to be employing the same brand of humor that mando did wherein they hire comedic actors to take on bit parts you know it reminded me of the scene with the stormtroopers who have baby yoda in their bag (laughs) at the end of season one are just like shooting the shit and being complete morons so they seem to be and that actor i one of the actors or the voices in that scene is an actor from that show what we do in the shadows okay so they seem to be employing that same shtick of having very funny people play bit part roles to sort of give the show give these shows a much neater moment of lightness not lightness in the sense of good lightness in the sense of funny yeah i i I like that. Uh, like he's just like he keeps doing this thing with his arms, and he keeps like repeating himself almost. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what your stick is, but I love it. Yeah, and he's definitely sketchy. Now the mayor that he's referring to, and now I'm probably gonna fuck this name up because Star Wars names are difficult. Moke Shies, Moke Shays, whatever. At me if you want to bitch to me. I'll <laughs> always take the new follower. I'm uh, assuming that he's gonna be like the major antagonist of this series, if not the series, then maybe the first half. The sort of probably. The sort of push and pull of Boba trying to instill new ways and this mayor trying to keep things the way that they were. Yes, I uh, I would be I'm interested in what his deal is, because like we don't really know what the core like conflict is going to be. Yeah, like it's it's still very ambiguous, but uh, it seems like there will be a, a power struggle, I guess, mm-hmm. maybe. And not only a power struggle, but an ideology struggle, yeah. right? How, yeah. what is the right way to rule? They have the way that they've done things for so long. And for them, it's largely worked. They've ruled with an iron fist. They've ruled with fear. Boba says he wants to rule with respect, which is certainly not something he learned from Darth Vader, which no. is why, <laughs> which is why I assume that his journey with the Tuscan Raiders will inform how he's become this version of himself. Uh, So now we head over to an iconic Tatooine bar in Mos Espa, where Boba and Fennec are here to meet with Garza Fwip. And let me just be the first to say, Wood. As they're leaving... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Fucking head tails or not. (laughs) Give me your space digits, girl. Uh, As they're leaving the meeting, assassins roll up on them, giving us our first action scene, our first true set piece. Because as we said, the Sarlacc pit was not an action scene at all. He uses his flame gun, but that's about it. Uh, Boba's newly employed Gamorreans come to the rescue and the throwdown 
begins. Boba's decision to spare them and rule with respect pays off immediately because if had he killed them, he would have probably been fucked. Boba is then, while he escapes, he's damaged. And as I said, i.e. Darth, he seems to need to be taken back to his back to pod to recharge regularly. And as he does so, more flashbacks ensue. And as I said at the top, it appears Boba's time in the past will be a season-long arc. Uh, yeah. Uh, real quick, Garza Fwip is uh, the actress who plays her was born in 1963. So I, I looked that say, up today. She's 58 years old. What looking good. Fuck? Looking good. Um, those, those space tales, they do it. They do it. You know? It must be the uh, the the rich soil on uh, <laughs> Tatooine that keeps her looking young. I don't know how you explain that, man. Oh, my God. But yeah, what you're saying is, you know, like uh, this this interesting story with the uh, they keep going back and forth between the the uh, Tuscan Raider stuff and and that story that they're telling with the I guess it's like a kid, right? Like a yeah child Tuscan youngling. Raider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I was like I wasn't sure what the hell was going on because like it's almost like forgive me for saying this. I know some people are gonna get mad at me. I it like how my... you just looked up as if you you like looked <laughs> God. up to God. <laughs> <laughs> um, it reminded me in some elements, at least the beginning of the uh, episode, reminded me of There Will Be Blood, where it has like this silent film where there's like, you know, there's noises, but like there's no dialogue. Right. Um, In that regard of like this character, just you, you're experiencing him and that's it. Very moody and atmospheric. Yes. Yes, and it has this like prolonged twenty-minute sequence where they're like nobody is saying anything. You're just experiencing it as it is. Right. Um, and so I, I I enjoyed that element of like we're getting current day Boba Fett and he's talking, doing this thing, and then you go over here and like because he does not speak their language, they're just kind of like you know grunting and stuff. And I, I enjoyed that stuff. So just a real quick note: Max Rebo from Return <laughs> of the Jedi is seen in the band in yeah. in this bar. So. This guy does tours, I guess. He's a <laughs> traveling act. <laughs> but a couple things that I want to highlight here are my girl, Garza Fwip. I definitely think it's sketchy how quickly she welcomes him. You know, yes. she doesn't ask any questions. She gives him a helmet full of coin. And just something about that struck me as there's more at play here. I'm not sure what. Maybe she's under the mayor's advice to you know just do as this guy says but just the way in which especially since boba isn't ruling with fear it's not like yeah. he came in guns blazing like give me all your coins or i burn this place down you know what i mean yeah so something about that felt disingenuous to me and sort of uh killing him with kindness type vibe this also this part highlights the differences between mando's code and boba's code Mando not taking off his gear is like one of the main plot arcs of yeah. his show. Boba takes off his helmet immediately. immediately. It's like, take FedEx too. Why not? Here, yeah. clean it for me. Thank you. Yeah. So I just think that that's an interesting dichotomy between the two similar yet very different Mandalorians. One thing I want to ask you is, do we think the assassins that roll up on them are the quote unquote delegation that that guy told them to expect? Got to think so, right? You'd have to be. I don't know who else it would be unless there's yeah. like a completely other person that we don't know about. Yeah, yet. yeah. The assumption for me is those assassins were sent by Mayor, uh, Mayor fuck shit. What's his name? Mayor Mokshai's. Mokshai's. Yeah. For a Star Wars action scene, especially in comparison to Mando, I mean, dude, as I talked about before, 
the sort of quote unquote Star Wars magic in the season one finale or penultimate one where they're pinned into that bar mm-hmm. and Mando and the door opens and the score kicks in and he takes on a few stormtroopers. Mm-hmm. That's one of the like highlight of my Star Wars life, Absolutely. right? And not to and not to obviously that was at the end of season one and this yeah. is just the start, so it's not really a fair comparison, but. It, just in terms of the kinetic action, I didn't feel that same thrill. I will say Fennec Shan's sort of parkour chase was pretty dope, but I definitely hope to see more intricate battles going forward. Especially for Robert Rodriguez, who made his yep. debut in Star Wars with a like uh, man or a Boba Fett episode, right? In in Mando. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that shit was awesome. And like he was like, Yeah, this is fucking rad. And uh didn't get that vibe here um which is disappointing because i'm like what are we doing here they're just like trapped in a thing and there's like and i'm like this is not interesting yeah at all um i will say though those shields reminded me of the blast doors from phantom menace that qui-gon jinn and oh yeah obi-wan have to wait behind when they're trying to fight darth maul so i thought that that was a cool little tie-in because yeah. those that we know can stop lightsabers, can stop pretty much everything. So yeah. that would explain sort of why they were so penned in. Maybe it's a result of Tamora Morrison's age. You know, I don't want to be an ageist, sure. but it's not like he's <laughs> in the shape that he was 20 years ago. So maybe that holds yeah. him back a bit. He also has a more, shall we say, portly body type than uh, Pedro pascal so sure. that probably limit the stuntmen that they could find to take his place but and i i do think it will improve from here but for that to be like the, the first. first set piece in this series i found myself feeling very eh, yeah eh, okay and i'm not somebody who lives and dies i need action i need action right. but when you're gonna do it for me fucking do it for me you know in a boba fett show especially absolutely like now i do built on action i do like the callback of how we saw him do in mando season two whereas mando was sort of like an elegant uh ballet type fighter boba is all fucking brute force right he's right. like a, he's like a he's like a wrecking ball and you see him sort of do that club slam thing yeah. and just the pure look of like i'm gonna fucking kill you yeah. face that, that he puts yeah. on is definitely dope and i do think the atmosphere of boba really works for me combined with his quest to be a more decent person so sort of balancing his more violent instincts with who he wants to be is an interesting way to develop this character he blows that guy up no fucking problem you know what no. i mean so yeah that guy's fucking gone like atomized yeah va- like- vaporized <laughs> straight vaporized so crazy so i do think that and you touched on this like the atmosphere of this show really worked for me so far but the technicality of it hasn't quite yet yeah all right so then we cut back so boba has the Gamorreans take him back to his back to pit to recharge, which sends him into another flashback. And we see him digging through the sands of Tatooine for water. Boba and the Rodian, which is the same species as Greedo, are attacked by a massive sort of Mortal Kombat forearmed sand creature type thing. Boba does prove that he is a badass with or without his gear as he brutally chokes the creature to death, saving the life of the Tuscan child. The child brings the creature's head back to the Tuscan camp as a trophy, which then in turn in turn has the Tuscans show what I would call mercy and acceptance on Boba by giving him water as a sign of thanks and a sign that he's now part of their tribe. And the 
episode ends there. Yeah, uh, again, kind of like an underwhelming action sequence, uh, but it was cool to see that, you know. And I and like I just said, I think it serves the character well, right? You're like, yeah. okay, this guy doesn't need his suit to be a badass. But in terms yeah. of the actual physicality of it, sure, you're like, eh? Yeah, exactly. I wasn't I wasn't like, oh, oh, this is bad. <laughs> um, but I did kind of feel like, oh, this poor kid almost like I was like, I, I felt a little empathy there, even though the kid's been an asshole to him. Um, and I was like, oh, I don't want to see this kid die. So um, they they brought the other guy back, the other guy that was shackled with him. Right. He didn't die, did he? I think he did. Oh fuck! <laughs> I, I I might need to go back and look, but I I assume that that thing killed him. I thought oh, it did no. at least. Poor guy. That's <laughs> what he gets for being a snitch. I guess he just didn't want to get, get stitches, bro. He just didn't want to cause problems, you know. He's like, I'm just trying to get by. And then <laughs> next thing you know, he's just getting fucking pummeled by this giant <laughs> rancor thing. And I just I feel bad for him. He just didn't want to cause problems, but that was his that was his own doing, you know. Um, but yeah, it was nice to see him like not let the kid die and just be like i will save you and right. hopefully we can have an understanding now and they give him yep. water and then yeah and as we know from mando the first time we see him he's in full tuscan garb and has like the mm, yeah. tuscan club so he we're gonna see him become a part of this tribe yeah. that is very much going to be an arc that we see and we also know that the leader of this tribe is kind of a badass because while boba is hurting and he doesn't have his gear he gets his ass handed to him when yeah. they they shoot the ones that first time. So getting his respect is a big step forward for him. Now, during their travels, they see a farmer's sort of hut get raided by a gang who spray paint a sign on his house. I'm assuming that this gang is going to factor in going forward, at least in the past timeline. This could be the mining collective that we saw in Mando season two. I don't know enough about Star Wars lore to really suggest <laughs> who else that could be. Yeah. Um, but I do think that they're going to be uh, not necessarily an antagonist, but something that Boba has to deal with throughout the show. Did Timothy Oliphant survive? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. I want, I like him. So I, yeah. I, he's one of my favorite actors. So I Absolutely. hope he shows up here. And Absolutely. Like, Handsome yeah. bastard too. Dude, what a guy. What a head of hair. <laughs> <gasps> um, real quick, the way that Boba chokes out the and this is the name that they called it in the show notes so this is all that he can go by sand creature um <laughs> is similar to the way that princess leia choked out jabba so there's a ton yeah. of bridges between return of the jedi and this show and i hope right. to see more of that going forward i think you made the best point to this fact seeing the fall of the empire from his perspective would be a very cool road to go down yeah, I, I hope so, because especially in this like Disney era of Star Wars, they've embraced a lot of that with like Star Wars Battlefront 2. The whole campaign is about a group of stormtroopers who are like left stranded because they're like, what now? You right. Know? right. Uh, and that was a really cool story. I, I didn't love that game, but I, I thought it was an interesting concept. And um, Mandalorian touches on it. And obviously the whole sequel trilogy does, too. Um so, yeah, I, I want to see kind of what that looks like and what his reaction is knowing that his boss just died, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Star Wars games real quick, what did you think of the first trailer for I believe it's called Star Wars Eclipse? Yeah. Yeah. That game looks like obviously we don't know what it is necessarily because that trailer is more of a tone piece, almost like the Doctor Strange thing you kind of said earlier um, that uh 
that game sounds really cool. There's a lot of rumors going around about it right now, um, namely that it's in some sort of peril and they announced it so that they could recruit more talent. Oh, uh, not good. Yeah, it's apparently it's like five years away. Whoa! Yeah, it's it's a while away. And the, the studio has had some bad history uh like with their their staff and stuff and so apparently they're having trouble hiring people and i think they think reportedly all reported alleged um (laughs) that uh the the trailer will attract more talent and Mm -hmm. so we'll see um but it's like a a big spanning story across multiple characters in the high republic era you see yoda in the trailer um and a bunch of other things like it could be really cool. I just hope it doesn't go the way of Star Wars 1313 where we never see it ever again. And then another quick gaming tangent do is Fallen Order 2 as good as confirmed at this point or I don't know. Like you would think so that game did crazy well for I that. love that game. Yeah, like critically, financially, everything like that game was a slam dunk. Um I know EA has kind of backed off of Star Wars a little bit because Disney now is like anyone can do a Star Wars game. Um, but I, I think that that studio, they don't they don't have anything announced right now. So I would imagine their next game is probably a sequel gotcha, to that. Gotcha. And that was Cade's gaming corner for, <laughs> for the week. Uh, and then so really just to tie it up here and Look, I get that every project can't have a, whoa, big reveal at the end. But I will say that, you know, the defining trait of Mando was the Baby Yoda mic drop that they had. And Baby Yoda became a cultural phenomenon unto himself. And this pilot did not have that. And I think that this loops into an argument that I made before. I just wish Boba's story was worked into Mando season three as a B-plot. You know, you could have, I think Mando's been doing 10 per season. Why not do 12 and have two of them be just about Boba? I don't, I'm, I hope I'm proved wrong, but thus far, I don't see the justification for him getting his own show other than because, right? Because, and because dollar signs and, and look, that is the nature of the world that we're in. So I don't want to fight against the tide because you're always going to lose that battle. But I would argue that it would have been a more compelling story if companioned and contrasted to Mando as opposed to be sent off on his own. Yeah, I uh, I'm of a similar sentiment. Like I don't I didn't necessarily need the series. I, I like the idea of it. And again, I don't I don't need a big mic drop moment either. Star Wars but a I hook, mean, you know, you need you yeah. need uh yeah. More than just it's a Boba Fett show, and maybe that is enough for some people, but like I, I the Star Wars timelines get fucking confusing as hell because there's so <laughs> much. There's games, there's books, there's movies, there's animated shows, yep, there's everything yep. under the sun. But I'm trying, I don't think, yeah, never mind. I was going to say Darth Maul would be really cool to see in this show because they set him up in solo as like, we'll do, right. we'll do this. Um, but that, that doesn't seem like they're ever going to come back to that and i think he's he's dead or something at this point in the the timeline um but something i was also thinking about yeah but doesn't he come back with like robot legs and one of the cartoons yes but like i i think he dies again after that like because they address that in the clone wars which would be before the empire so like I, I think it's it's fucked. Yeah, but I am not a timeline lord. I have no fucking fair. idea. Yeah. yeah, I get really lost in it too. But um, 
I do you think there's maybe a chance that the guy whose name I always forget who plays Han Solo in Solo comes mm-hmm. back to Tatooine? And Alden shows up. Al, Al, Alden El Elric or something yes. like that. Where yes. the fuck has he been since that film? Huh? Not bringing a mess on that one. I like that movie, but I know it didn't do well. And you would think like people would be like, yeah, he's good enough, but he doesn't really show up in anything. And I I don't know if they have any plans to ever do anything with that character again. I know there was like rumblings at one point, like in the last year or two, like maybe he'll be back. But um, yeah, he he did a movie, I guess, in 2022 from Elizabeth Banks called Cocaine Bear. Oh, and he did, oh, that's not out yet, but they're yeah, filming that. Yeah, and yeah. he was also in the Cohen Brothers film, um, Hail Caesar. Yes, uh, yeah, and that was in 2016, so that was like two years before. Now, then. by the nature of Star Wars, I you know, the same way that, um, uh, the Jedi in season two, the check, um, Ahsoka, yes, the way that she popped up in that, I'm expecting we get something like that in, in this show. That's just the way that they do things, and I think. Also, considering that Han Solo in the future timeline is dead, I do think that there is a window for that here. Absolutely. And that is the type of draw where it's like gets people talking, gets the people going, you know? Yeah, I I, I was just quickly like, I'm going to look up his name and then type in Book of Boba Fett. And it autofilled it for me before I even typed it out. And apparently there's like a lot of theories and maybe even slightly alluded to by... Dave Filoni and other folks. Oh, cool. So maybe it's going to happen. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, Han is one of the most iconic characters in the history of film. So they got beef. Bring it on. Oh, do they? Right, right. Because, right. See, I'm not a Star Wars. uh, Shinado. Yeah, yeah. But (laughs) Boba, is he the one that sold them? No, no. Yeah. Oh, because uh, remember, they go in Empire. He's there to like. They they freeze him freeze and then him. he takes him to Java. Okay. Oh, see so, now we're cooking with gas. I think that possible. that's okay. That's really good. All right. On that note, I think that we should wrap up here. Cade, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. I'm really hyped to see where we go from here. Any thoughts, feelings, questions you want to drop here at the end for us? You know, I think this is going to be my last episode. I didn't. I didn't <laughs> have a good time. No, I'm joking. Um, no, I, I I thank you for having me. I'm really excited. Um, yeah, this is this is fun. 2022 is a lot of stuff. We already covered a lot of it. Batman, Black Panther. I think there's Dr. six Frank. MCU projects, four DC projects, handful of Star Wars stuff. Obi-Wan hopefully coming in, in the spring, which is yeah. probably the Star Wars project that I'm most hyped for. Same. So yeah, and tons of dope stuff. Not to mention other things like bullet train and shit like that. Oh, so yeah. a lot yeah. of cool stuff. When's the trailer for that coming out? Hopefully that's what I'm soon. talking about. Yeah. They, they filmed that, right? Like that's coming out in the summer, right? Yeah, it got bumped. It was supposed to be April, and I think they bumped it back to June or July, maybe. Maybe we'll see it like the Super Bowl or something. Yeah. All right, y'all. So make sure to follow Cade. Cade underscore Onder. Is that an O or a zero? An O, yeah. An O. Cade underscore Onder. Make sure to follow me at Eric Italiano and the Postcred Pod account at Postcred Pod. We will see y'all next week. Talk about Book of Boba Fett 2 what it's like to live in Iowa, and much more. (laughs) All right, y'all. Peace. I'm going to make him an office guy. My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. 